business owners just own things. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm a business owner too. I own multiple businesses, but I consider myself and identify as a founder because founders are always growing, learning all these other things, right? Founders hire people that are dramatically smarter than they are. Whereas business owners need to be the smartest one in the room. Perspective matters here, right? Welcome to the Young and Driven Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. Welcome back to the Young and Driven Podcast. Today I have a friend, uh, a, a person that's inspired me a lot. His name is Dylan, and he has started a SaaS company that is booming right now. And it's, uh, I, I met with him a couple months ago, and we talked about balance. We talked about things uh, that he's used in his daily life to actually uh, almost like help him be extremely productive, which for both people that are not working as a startup founder, but people that have the vision to build their business and want to actually run a business and not, not a side hustle. Um, I was like, you know, I have to get him on the podcast just because I really wanted to give value to you. So really excited to have you, Dylan. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Something I want to dive into just from the get. So your background is that you started as an Amazon seller, correct? Correct, yeah. So uh, tell, me, tell me about that journey. Tell me about you diving into like, that was probably your first like side hustle, first like, like, I mean, did you had, were you doing like any software things on the side before then? Or was that like your first like entry into like entrepreneurial spirit stuff? Yeah. So I had attempted a few different businesses before. Um, one that kind of did okay, basically right out of high school, I like kind of paid my bills living at home. Um, nothing really took off. Like I tried everything. Like Like back then I tried to have this podcast and like, it's funny looking back at how I operate or how I operated then versus now it's like complete night and day. Cause I just sat there in disarray, not knowing even what step one was to do. Yeah. Um, but Amazon was the first thing that started to do well, that I started to understand, started to grow and scale. Um, and where things really started to click, which was really cool. So did that was in college full time at the time. Funny enough, my first, uh, semester in college. So I, I didn't go to college, took a, like four or five years off <laughs> and then decided to do it full time. <laughs> um, yeah. Semester one, I was a computer science major. So I wanted to go into software engineering. Um, did not love it at that time. For some reason, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go into finance. That makes more sense to me. So I wanted to go into either investment banking or private equity. That's kind of what my degree was, you know, uh, kind of focused in on was like investment banking. Um, and then halfway through that, met my now co-founder who happens to be a computer science major. He was also an Amazon seller. Um, and we started a software company together, which is kind of full circle. Um, so prior to that, no, I, I had no software like founding business experience at all. I mean, literally the first tool we built was VinDriveCRM.com and we did everything wrong, which was awesome. Um, because we got to <laughs> then pivot into something, you know, at a, at a larger scale, right? And say, great, yeah. all the things we did wrong, let's do the inverse of that now. Um, and then things started to take off. Um, and so I've learned a lot over the years in terms of just how to run business and also how to run myself, which is super important. Mm. 
Yeah. What, what, uh, let's dive into that. What went wrong? What was like, you, like I, cause I've, first off, I've heard of that tool. That tool is still being like, you still have customers. So like, yeah, it wasn't a complete yes, failure. Somehow, like, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. You have it. You have a monthly return the bills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not paying the bills, but it's there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what went wrong? Um, to be more meta about it, we, we just knew nothing about SaaS. We knew, like James knew software, how to build software, but that's not enough, right? When you're building a business, there's so many other things. And SaaS is such a unique type of business, just like Amazon is a unique type of business, right? There's certain um, terminology, language, models that you need to learn. And so I think we just didn't learn those fast enough going into it. It was kind of just like, let's have fun and build something, which there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But Intention super important. You need to know what you're optimizing for, right? Yeah. Um, and so the thing that we really missed out on on top of that was looking for best practices. Like the thing I realized, and this is not taught in school at all. You're, you're basically taught like if you learn the answers from somewhere else, you're cheating and, and you're bad. The simple reality is in all business, cheating is the way you advance. And that's not a bad thing. Cheating is not yeah. a negative. All you're doing is you're Googling what's the best practice for this Who's yes. the expert for that? Who's the company I should follow for this other thing? And then you just replicate. So like, I'll give you a good example. At Aura, we're really well known for customer support and customer experience, right? Yep. Um, that's not because we're, you know, we're just geniuses. No, it's because I literally looked up the playbook and said, how are you supposed to do it? What yep. are things like the KPIs to measure this? Okay. And then it's just reverse engineering and all of a sudden, we understood what to do, how to do it, and now we can do it at scale. Um, yep. So you know, it's really like the 80%, that first 80% is the toughest. Um, yep. And that first 80% is just finding the simple foundational things like best practices. Um, and the other 20%, you just learn as you go, as you're iterating yourself. I have a hot take that I want to get from you because I think you'd have a good good opinion on this. Um, something Please. that's kind of, kind of newer that people are talking about is no code SaaS. I, I come, yeah. so I worked in IT for five years. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've built, <laughs> I've built software. I've come from that space. I did, I did consulting for a, a while as well. Like mm -hmm. I, I've, I've built tools. I have my opinions on it. I want to know yeah. like, what you think as someone that's been putting their hands in the dirty, mm -hmm. has something that they actually, that has a valuation, right? That is worth money, yeah. has a business that has MRR and ARR. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, no, for sure. tell me, what do you think about this wave of people saying no code SaaS? Okay, so there, there's a few different perspectives I have on this. The, the first generalized version of it is, I think it has its use case. Everything is a tool. I do not believe in binary perspectives, right? When people like, so we're bootstrapped. We didn't raise mon money, right? Um, there are some people that are like VC backed is the only way to do it. And there's other people that say, yeah. no, I would never raise money. It's only bootstrap. It depends is the real answer as is true yeah. in most of life. Um, I think no code SAS is a good idea for an MVP. It's not yeah. going to scale. I can, here's the thing. Like when you start talking about scale. So I love when people are like, oh, you know, I'm just going to build my own repricer. Great example. I hear this like five times a day. Right. Um, I'm always like, that sounds great, and, but like, do you understand how to scale to millions of rows, if not tens of millions of rows of a database? Do you understand yeah. not only the technical complexities, but also the cost optimization there? There's so yeah. much more to it. And so I think the no code like bubbles one that a lot of people use. I have a friend that's trying to build a SaaS on it right now. The moment you start to scale and get up to scale, the cost doesn't work. And yeah. also 
you don't have control. Here's the thing. There's no optimizations you can go in and just control, yeah. right? Um, so that becomes a huge problem. So I think if you want to build an internal tool or a tool for yourself, awesome. Build an MVP first version, get the first 10 people in there, go raise yeah. some money, and then hire engineers to actually build the real thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Um, my other take on this that's starting to change. So my level of technical proficiency is I'm not an engineer. Um, I'm not going to do architecture design. I, I, I'm not going to sit down and, and perfect uh, the efficiency of an algorithm. Um, however, I can write code in Python. Like I write my own tools, my own scripts to automate stuff all day long. Like I actually have yep. one running right now that, are, that integrates two tools because I want it to. Cool. What's interesting, um, AI, that's the thing everybody's talking about right now, but it's actually getting to a good point. <laughs> like yeah. like yeah. I pay for uh, chat GPT plus. It's 20 yep, bucks a you'd month. Be, um, you'd, be, you'd be dumb not to. And, right. I mean, literally a new release today. Um, but why do I use it? I use it because there are there are projects. There are things that I want to build that are just slightly outside of my technical proficiency. So it would take me three days to, you know, Google search how to fix things, how to approach one thing this other way, and like Stack Overflow. Or I could have a conversation with ChatGPT using correct prompting, going back and forth, testing things. And I can, I can have that project done in an afternoon. Now, I'm not doing front-end code. I'm not designing an architecture, right? I'm, I'm literally just I'm trying to solve this problem. It's like yep. a single file. If you have the time and enough proficiency, I think you could actually utilize something like ChatGPT, Copilot from GitHub, GitHub um, to augment yourself to build production-level projects. I say that in yep. quotes because... If you still do not understand engineering, uh, it's not going to go far. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it depends. You know, it, I like I like that take. I I want to I want to like that. Thanks for letting me nerd out for a second because that's helpful. I like that. So to bring that yeah, yeah. To, to anyone that's listening that isn't in Seth, we're talking about like uh, Dylan essentially said MVP, which min is minimum viable product, right? Which is like your mm -hmm. base product that is like almost like a skeleton template, right? And it's like, it's not gonna look great. The whole idea is it's like the, it's like the developer's perspective is like, it's always glass half full where it's like, it works. Yeah. And I'm like happy that like, it like turns on and it's like, that's good. And it's yeah. like, no, but it has all these issues. Like, shut up, it works, it's good. I, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to work and they made it work. So like that's yeah. what an MVP essentially is. Um, and, then, and then what you're also mentioning, which I like a lot too, is that there's no infrastructure on the back end. And I think yeah. the, the backend infrastructure is something that's so underappreciated. Um, so any backend developer, like, I mean, to be honest, like I, I, I paid someone to make a landing page. I know like you can use Framer, right? You can use yeah. WordPress to make a landing page in a day. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not complex. The complexity oh, yeah. is actually- Oh yeah, I picked actually, up Framer last weekend, actually. I just moved my yeah. personal site to Framer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not complex. Like you can do it and it's like, or you can pay yeah. someone to do it and it's like, Yes, it's coding. And yes, it's like you're basically using templated stuff and it's going to look great and the average person's not going to know this. But when you actually get into the complexities of like, let me have a site that does things. Let me have a tool yeah. that does something. That's when you get into these all, all these other sections of like, you just don't understand the complexity of how, what it takes mm -hmm. to build. And that's yeah. part of what I, I, I see. I see no code as something that's being sold. It's a marketing tool right now where it's like, it's almost like this mm -hmm. opportunity to build something simple, MVP, and you don't have to have a huge SaaS background. Um, and if you don't do that and you're really good at marketing, you're really good at sales and you're, or like, if anything, you're like, you're really good at just understanding what some customers need. Like you have a customer base and you're like, Oh, 
Yeah. There's something here. There's some market share to take. Let's go grab at it, and we can we can get something out mm-hmm. to the public really fast. And we, if yeah. we market it and position it well, yeah. then we can we can actually grow a customer base and then iterate from there. Um, mm-hmm. I I really appreciate what you're saying because like first off, humble response. I, I almost I was trying to go for the hot <laughs> take. I was trying to go for like the absurd answer, and you're saying basically, <laughs> yes, there's there's a spot for both, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and my my <laughs> listeners appreciate that. I wish I got the clip. Didn't get the clip. I'm totally disappointed <laughs> in it, but it's okay. Um, let's 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 go. Let's let's take a step back. So you 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 built a tool. It didn't fail because it's still being used today. But yeah. in your mind, you realize, okay, I'm not going to be able to grow this to the place that I want to grow this. Um, was that that was after your 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 Amazon wholesale kind of push, right? Because you were trying to think about like I need a CRM mm-hmm. tool to 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 essentially help yeah. with my outreach, right? That's essentially what Vendrive does is like yeah. coordinate and organize all that. So basically, Vendrive CRM is just that. It's a CRM tool that integrates with Amazon. So we're, you're, you're actually throwing in the ASIN. We're pulling back some product data for you. So it's more right. of a specified CRM, right? Um, the reason why, I mean, listen, it's cool. There's a lot of indie hackers on Twitter that are like, hey, 2K, MRR, like, Woo! And yeah. I'm like, great. Like, we, we definitely have done that with, with the CRM. Where we failed is, and th- again, this is just in learning um, language, frameworks, stuff like that. We, SaaS is very model-driven, right? Um, you yeah. have things like CACTEL TV ratios, which is like CAC is CAC. That stands for cost to acquire a customer. LTV is the lifetime value of a customer. The yep. equation to get the lifetime value of a customer is your ARPU divided by your churn rate. ARPU equals average revenue per user divided I by your churn it. rate. Like <laughs> it's a it. massive equation. First All of SaaS is, right? First SaaS is a like, business model. Yeah, people, people, I wish people were talking this language though, because like the amount of people that have a side hustle or even like have an in, Amazon business and don't understand what EBIT is, it's like, okay. First off, yes. like, like, <laughs> but they're <laughs> going to sell their business one day. <laughs> yeah, they're going to sell their business one day, yeah. but like they just don't understand that that's like a concept. Like you have to. Yeah. I think we're it's a whole different language when you talk about this business model, and there's a reason why SaaS is. It's not just like the hot. It's not a hot topic thing. It's like this is yeah a sustainable business model that can work for mm-hmm. any customer base, whether you're doing B two B or B two C. Right. Well, and it really, SaaS is just, it's a subscription, it's recurring revenue, right? So you could do this with a, a subscription for your course, right? Like, yeah, yeah, now you have LTV, now you have a churn rate, CAC, all that stuff. Yeah. But what we realized with the CRM, so the, the price point is $27 a month. Um, at no point will you ever be able to afford paid acquisition. With SaaS, ideally you want to say organic, but honestly to scale fast enough um, and further enough, you're going to have to go paid acquisition. Um, it's just a huge um, lever to be able to pull and you can pull it really fast and you can scale it really, really fast, especially if you're profitable, right? Yeah. Um, Cause then you could throw 20, 50 grand a month at Google ads and, and Bing ads and like Lockwork, you have hundreds, if not thousands of new trials coming through and you know you're gonna convert 30% of those and blah, blah, blah. Um, yep. So it's nice. You get to have a lot more control. You can, you know, it's elastic. You can spin it up, spin it down. Um, so we couldn't do that. That's frustrating. And then if you look at, okay, well, what's the total addressable market? This is known as TAM. When you're in the startup world, when you're pitching for funding, you typically say um, the TAM of this market is X. Ideally, you want to be in the trillions of dollars. Billions is actually very small. Amazon as a whole is typically in the billions, Um, especially if you're just talking resellers, not private label. 
So yep. we have a subset of a subset, right? So we have e-commerce, we have Amazon, we yep. have resellers, and by the way, just wholesale. Yeah. So, all right, total addressable market is probably in the millions, and yeah. you're charging $27 a month. Yeah. Not going to go far. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's important to step back and just look at the model and say, what is not what, what do you want to be true? I Listen, I love other sellers, um, but I see a lot of comments regarding, I'm going to do X. I'm like, dude, you've been in SaaS for like two weeks. Don't tell me you're going to build a $10 million business. I hope you do. But I love the dream. Does your model you actually make that physically possible? Yeah. You do. But, but reverse engineering that. Show me the path there and show me why that's reasonable. Yeah. That's the hard part, I think. Um, so, you know, Vindrive CRM, we're learning a lot. Um, we also got to a point where the, the main acquisition channel was me live sourcing for two hours every Wednesday or Tuesday for like two and a half years and me giving out 50% discount code for the first three months. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, your ARPU is not 27, by the way, it's like 15. (laughs) So it doesn't scale, right? So one growth gets really difficult. The math doesn't math. Um, and then we said, okay, well, we learned a lot. That's good. We've been doing this for a handful of months. What what do we think we could do? We proved to ourselves we're capable of building software um, and we're capable of getting eyes on that software. One thing that's super important, you can't just, excuse me, have software. You got to have distribution. You got to have both. Yeah. Um, that, that made it super easy for us. I was really good at getting eyeballs, um, doing stuff like this, um, supporting users, and James is a great engineer put those two things together, you do super well if you choose the right thing. So yep. we're like, well, repricing would be fun to work on technically because there's a yep. lot, there's a lot of complexities Two, We think we can have the biggest impact there. That's super important for us. The divine defining thing is impact. Um, and three, the price points make way more sense to be able to eventually afford paid acquisition channels, stuff like that. So when you looked at it at a model, it really just made sense. So we're like, great, let's go do it. Right. Yep. And you, you start with the beta, Get get twenty five people in there, get some feedback, and start to crush it. So, explain repricing to someone that doesn't understand repricing. There's this is a this is small this is small yeah. Repricing is essentially finding the optimal price of a listing at any given moment. So the thing that a lot of sellers don't understand: there is no price. There's no singular price. Just because you bought it at 25 and at that time the buy box was at 50 does not mean the the correct price is 50. You could be looking at it when it's down, when it's up, you have no idea. Um, every listing, in my opinion, is its own mini economics, right? It's supply and demand. So yep. and I saw I saw a keep a chart today that illustrated this beautifully. More sellers coming on, that's more supply. Guess what happened? The demand didn't change, so the price went down. That's not called price tanking, that's called economics. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens yeah. 24-7. So when you have that, even when you have hundreds of listings, you can't do that manually, even a VA. It does not work. And what ends up yeah. needing to happen is every moment. So if you sliced every second of the day into its own time, its own little, little you know, crystal ball, so to speak, um, there's an ideal price then. What, what repricing ultimately is doing is increasing the opportunity for you to get a sale. Yep. At that moment, that's all you're doing. We're just positioning you to say you could get this sale. Yeah, that you will, but you could. That's all we're doing. Um, 
And so there's, you know, algorithms behind that. There's a lot of ways to optimize it because everybody's different. Some people want higher velocities. They're willing to take lower ROI. Some people want lower velocities. They want higher ROI. Again, it really comes down to it depends because every business is different. Um, so, you know, depending on what kind of business you're building, if you think about it as a flipper, you're probably not going to care about velocity. You're going to care a lot more about maximizing ROI. So you'll hold inventory longer. If you're really trying to scale up, it becomes a volume game. So actually you should take a lower ROI to increase your velocity. Um, and so another thing that a lot of people don't think about Amazon selling is really a compound equation. So a lot of sellers try to brag about ROI. Um, yeah. I love when I see like a 200% ROI. I'm like, great. How many units? One, yeah. <laughs> how many times can you do that? Yes. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So my thing is I have heard people say, I hold this for 12 months. Okay. For a 600% ROI. All right. Let's, let's say that costs you 500 bucks in capital. If instead you didn't do that and you took a yeah. 60% ROI item, but you spent that $500, $1,000, whatever, and you got 60% ROI every three weeks for the next 12 months compounded, you made more money and a higher yeah. ROI. Yeah. So repricing really enables that mental model to be put into actual execution 24 seven for you. And you get to control kind of, again, how much of that you want, right? Everybody's yep. different. Uh, what I like about your tool versus other tools, I've tried a few um, and something that your differentiating factor really is your customer service. That, and yeah. you mentioned it a little bit before, but like mm -hmm. I've heard it from other sellers, I've heard it from people individually and I just hear it from you doing, doing podcasts, doing just like how you communicate and mm -hmm. what your value systems are. Why, why such an emphasis on that? Other than like the assessment of the market and being like, yep, people mm -hmm. appreciate this. Why like from a values perspective, are you like, this is something that we're going to use to set ourselves apart? There's two major things. Uh, the first one is think of any tool in the Amazon seller space and now think of their support. It's usually a negative connotation because yeah. what ends up happening is a lot of SaaS companies um, you know, we consider ourselves a tech company, whereas I think a lot of other tools, not all of them, of course, not generalizing, but a decent amount of them are software companies. They don't approach things like a tech company would. Um, yep. so a lot of them think as, or think of support as a cost center that costs money. Let's reduce the cost. Therefore we're going to go to the Philippines. It's going to cost $4 an hour. The per, the, the human being, by the way, who's, they're not VAs or human beings are not very challenged and excited because they're not really solving problems. They're just following Q and a, uh, doesn't do a great job. And there's really no incentive because really they're not a part of the company, right? There's yep. this whole philosophy yep. that happens. Whereas yep. I was like, well, no, <laughs> like there's no reason why it couldn't be amazing. And yeah. the second major thing, repricing is overwhelming. I've been a seller. Yep. So you want sellers to come in and feel comfortable and know that at any point they can ask a question and get a real answer, not just a, a canned response, but Hey, here's this ASIN. It feels kind of weird. Can you tell me? Yeah. yeah. I can look at the ASIN, look at your strategy and tell you why you think it feels weird. And that yeah. all I had was the ASIN and that you think it feels weird. We can do that 24 seven. So, um, for the first two, two and a half years as one of the co-founders, I did support full time on top of everything else. And I and did tell that me that's not, that's the best, that's the best, like feedback. what best way to get feedback. Yeah. If you're getting feedback mm -hmm. on your tool, that's the best way. Yep. That's amazing. So when you're starting a new, new software company, especially something that's touching prices, 
I don't need people to trust the tool. I need people to trust the founders, the team. That's super important. Um, We literally have people who love Finn. He was our first support person. We call them CSMs, so customer success managers. We don't call them support reps. They're not agents. No, CSMs. They do more than just answer questions. The way we approach, and actually there's a lot more in the back end that a lot of people don't understand. We have a whole model for how we handle support. We're actually highly automated. Um, The way we approach support primarily is if a bot can answer it for you quicker, it's going to do that because that provides the most value. So we basically have this funnel where at the, at the height of it, 60 to 80%, depending on the month, tickets get automatically handled before we even see them with quality control on top of that. Can I, can I ask, I I worked in that space for a little bit with like the live chat. Um, so I know a couple Uh of those vendors. Would you mind telling me which vendor you guys are using? I've known some bad ones. I know some good ones. Yeah, so we use Intercom. I think most of them are bad. Intercom is the one we have used the most. And I yeah. have, I honestly, so they're, they're headquartered in Dublin, Ireland. My honeymoon recently was in Ireland, and I nice. tried to coax them into letting me come to their headquarters. They told me no, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but no, they're phenomenal. I mean, listen, yeah. we, we have built everything inside of Intercom to where – Again, 60 to 80%, let's just call it 70% of our support tickets are automatically handled with quality on yep. top because we measure quality on top of speed, um, yep. as well as augmenting um, Finn and Abby, who are the CSMs right now. So we do yep. use things like saved responses. Like yep. our team actually will never type your name. Because yep. one, it takes too long. Two, we have enough diversity of names that we don't want to be rude and mistype it. So guess yep. what? Your name's a variable. I can do hashtag name and that's your name. Yeah. So common phrases. Yeah. We, we, we do automate or we use canned responses. I love it. Um, so again, we have this funnel and it's worked. I mean, we have, I, li- I have literally had now I found out about a second one I didn't know about the first one I did have a conversation with. I've had two support people from competing repricer tools, like apply for us to work as a CSM. And I did talk to one because I was curious. Um, they are a fourth of our size in terms of users and have, I think it was four or six full-time support people. We have thousands upon thousands of users and it's mainly Abby who handles day-to-day tickets. I love it. I love it. And we have yeah. a, in our KPIs, by the way, median first response during business hours, less than 10 minutes. That, so yep. that's our benchmark. We actually hit six to five minutes on average. Um, quality, so cu- customer satisfaction, uh, CSAT is um, a minimum of 95. If it's below I 95, that. I have a problem. That's, that's crazy. I was working at a company, they were doing 80, and they were feeling happy with that. And garbage. I was like, that's it's such a garbage <laughs> number. <laughs> that was so bad. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love that. I love honestly, that. Like, and we do people, it, people we do it like it's the easiest thing in the world. Like, yeah. Monday is the hardest because so we don't do here's what's so crazy. We don't even offer 24 or seven support. So I love when people are like, oh, but what about the weekends? We have built a product where that shouldn't be the problem. And just because a a software company offers 24 seven support, here's what that actually means. That means 24 hour median first response time, email only and VAs. Yep. So yeah. I will happily trade twenty four seven support for amazing support that is actually collaborative. Actually, like we will sit down, and look at your account, and be like, "Hey, by the way, we noticed this thing. I would recommend you do X just to, you know, 
like we're collaborative. We're, we're coaches at the same time. I love it. Um, I love it. So we're very intentional yeah. about it. So, so the next thing I want to ask you before I, I do want to dive into just you as a person, because you as a person do things interestingly that I think would be beneficial mm-hmm. for other people to hear. Um, but you built this tool, you built Aura. So have the same model, have this, all these, all this idea of like, I want to be hands-on with, with educating and helping people at this level. And then on top of it, you were like, you know what? We built this tool. It works, but we want to do something else. And so we're going to, we're going to take a step back, reassess, and then rebuild this thing from the ground up. Yeah. What, what, uh, what goes into that? I know you, like, I mean, you, you wanted to release it. You wanted to release R 1.0 mm-hmm. in Q1, right? And that was like, that was like yeah. part of the war, like, or beginning <laughs> of Q2. And so yeah, you're yeah, doing Q2. the natural, like, the natural, like, I mean, it's, we're, at, we're about to enter Q3. So like, we're, you better be, you better be. <laughs> Welcome to software. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what, what was the, what was the thought process behind that? And what, uh-huh. what pills did you have to swallow as a founder to be yeah. like, I built this thing and now. I have to, because like I don't. I think some people get themselves stuck in a hole. Amazon sellers probably get themselves stuck in a hole where they're like, "I'm doing this, I can make money, and it works," and they don't think big enough to be like, "Yep, actually, let me scrape everything and restart from scratch and yeah. take another stab at this." The the simple answer to that is reverse engineering. I'm a huge proponent of this. It works in personal life. It works in business. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Then ask the question, what needs to be true? So, you know, we want Aura to be, we want our revenues to be five to 10 X what they currently are. Like, like without a doubt. Um, okay. What needs to be true? Well, if we want to do that, then the system needs to support five to 10 X that user base in theory, right? Like you can view it from revenue. You can view it from, um, users, right? So, okay, let's, let's view it this way. Uh, we don't just want the user base to be five to 10 X. We want revenue to be five to 10 X. Okay. Well, how could you do that? What's, what's the equation? Well, we can have more people and we can ha- we can increase our ARPU, right? So the average revenue per unit. Okay. Well, how, how do you get people to pay you more? You have more quality, more features, things like that. Right. Um, okay. Well, we want to have like dramatically more users and a higher ARPU because if we have a higher ARPU, we're, we're ideally providing more value and the um, LTV goes up, which means we can also pay more and paid acquisition yep. to acquire customers, right? So it all starts to work together. Then you say, okay, well, um, what features? Okay, well, we have tons of qualitative data from users. Let's go pour through that. What should we build? What should we fix? Well, well okay, we have that list. Okay, uh, let's go build it. Oh, wait, we can't build it, by the way, because the system's not really built to scale to that level. And adding new features is dramatically harder than if we actually pause, did the hard thing, and re-architected um, to be able to not only do things like add in, uh, integrations dramatically easier, also do these things, right? So you you basically walk down the dependency tree. And then you find what is the root thing, right? It's kind of like yeah. the proverbial first principles analogy of asking five whys, yeah. right? So um, I'm unhappy, why? Uh, because this thing happened, why did that happen, right? And you just go down. What you're trying to do is eventually find what's known as the first principle, right? This is like the, the, the most deepest truth that you can now build upon. Um, so yeah, it is difficult. Um, it is very hard to say, let's pause and rebuild from the ground up. But at the end of the day, 
that's what it takes. And when you're, I think if you're thinking long enough term, then it just makes sense, right? And that's the thing. We, we have consistently made decisions for the next five to 10 years. Like, this is not a lifestyle business for us. You know, we're not just like, hey, like, we're, we're doing all right. Let's pay ourselves a ton of money and, like, kind of chill. That's not really who we are, to be honest. Um, we're a bunch of nerds. We like solving things. We also like growing as founders. This is why yeah. I don't like this concept of, like, I'm a big ling- language guy lately. Like, don't call yourself a business owner. Business owners just own things. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm a business owner, too. I own multiple businesses. But I consider myself and identify as a founder because founders are always growing, learning, all these other things, right? Founders hire people that are dramatically smarter than they are, whereas business owners need to be the smartest one in the room. Perspective matters here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. you can do that with anything, right? Like take your Amazon business. Where do you want to be at? Okay, what needs to be true? Let's say you want to do a million a year in revenue. Okay, if you have some data, let's start with that. What's your average sell price per unit? Okay, let's call it 35. Okay, so how do we get the number of units you need to purchase? We take a million, we divide it by 35, we divide it by 12, that's how many you need per month. If you wanna get crazy with it, divide it by, um, let's call it 20, you're gonna take weekends off, that's understandable, great. That's how many units you need to buy every single day, Monday through Friday. Okay, that's just revenue. What if we wanna do profitability? Okay, what's your average ROI? What's your average uh, profit margin, right? We can do the same thing. It all comes down to what needs to be true. So now we have a number. Let's just call it. Uh, let's call it fifty units a day. Okay. How do you purchase fifty units a day? Here's what's so fun about this kind of philosophy. A lot of decisions go out the door. You don't need a VA yet because if you're not even sourcing ten units a day, a VA is not going to help you. So guess what? All the courses, all the content about how to hire and manage a VA go through the door. Doesn't matter now. I'm a big fan of what's called. Um, just in time learning versus just in case learning. This is a big thing that I used to do. I needed to learn everything before I got started. You don't. You learn that shit in real time. <laughs> like yeah. when you yep. need to hire your first person. What now? Go actually. Wait. Hire. I want. I want to ask you about that though because you're also yes. a big proponent of leverage. People are leveraged. Yes. So yes. tell me, like, I, I, I. In my opinion, I'm like, I would love to over leverage on people as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Like, what are your? How do you balance those two things when you're like? You don't need to do this, but you should do this. Uh, yeah, great question. Um, I could have hired a support person um, three months into launching Aura, but I didn't do it for the first two, two and a half years. Why? The ROI of me still doing it was so much higher than me handing, handing it off. Because here's the thing. If I had, and dude, we literally had an advisor be like, you shouldn't be doing this. It's not worth your time. Go outsource that. And I literally said, no, you're an idiot. Because... <laughs> The value I was getting in terms of feedback is super important. Two, yeah. how am I supposed to hire somebody to do a job I don't know how to do and manage yeah. them? I don't even know what the quality controls are. I can't even define success here. Uh, I, I, I think – I almost think – I know, and I, I, it's audacious of me to say, but I think I disagree with you. And Please, I, no, I, go I, for I, it. Please. It's, it's, probably, it's probably because you – I mean, I, I completely understand your approach because you're, you're, think, you're thinking, how do I build the SOPs? How do I train? Mm-hmm. And you're also thinking you're the first person. Like the first person you hire is really important as a founder, right? So it's like yeah. you're building culture fundamentally. You're like mm-hmm. your first yeah. hires are culture sure. hires. Um, yep. I'm all like I and I, I think I do, are you familiar with Dan Martell? Yeah, yeah. I just right read there. his book. Yeah, I just read his book. Love it. Awesome book. And he has this thing. I mean, he's a SaaS guy, right? So he he's yep. uh, he's <clears throat> you know he has SaaS Academy. 
um, mm-hmm. good coaching group, right? So it's like, I reading that book, the Buy Back Your Time book, I was like, man, like that just opened my eyes to like how little I actually should do because if you think about those energy drainers, like you're probably someone where the interaction, like you've, you've told me before that you're not like a uh, extroverted person, you're introverted. Right. But yep. at the same time, like you've learned to, to, to do this customer support thing. And it sounds like you got a lot of value at it. Totally. Um, I don't think I've met, I, I see some people, let's talk about Amazon sellers in particular. I see some people where they're like, they get value and they get energy out of sourcing. Oh, they, totally. E- yeah. Even crazier people get, get value, like get energy out of prep. And I'm like, who are you? And what are you doing? And why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, if you're like, I, if, if I had to do either of those things, I would hate it. It would just be tough. I would sure. not be able to grow as an individual. So we- here, here's my perspective on that. I, I think it's a good point and there's nothing wrong with it, right? And listen, I read Dan Mortel's book. I literally tweeted at him because I was, I was like, listen, man, like the first person you say to hire is an admin. Uh, I was like, but they manage your email and your calendar. He's like, yeah. I was like, well, well, I use Superhuman for email, so I don't really have an email problem. And two, um, I can use Clara Labs to help me schedule and manage my calendar. So I, I think there's still a point. I'm not saying he's wrong. Like he's way more successful than I am. But I think it is. I think you should take everything with a grain of salt and say it depends. Um, mm. Do so. Okay, let's get back to like the the sourcing VA leveraging people. Um, yes, you should do that, and you should do that when it makes sense. The problem I see is people struggle to find profitable inventory and then try mm. to outsource it. That doesn't work. Here's the thing. If you need to hire somebody who has a very specific skill set, you should do that immediately. Don't go learn it. Just do it. Yes, 1,000%. Here's the thing, though, uh, and we see this in in tech all the time. You don't know. You're not an engineer. You're not technically inclined. They go, oh, I'm just going to hire somebody to do that. You know how often that goes wrong? A lot. Because what ends up happening, and I've talked to these people, I've advised them, they've wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I've literally had somebody the other day be like, oh, you know, uh, this this one tool costs 250 grand to build. I was like, how long did it take? They're like six months. I was like, you know, you can hire literally a full stack engineer from AWS um, for 160, 180 grand a year. Like, yeah. and like that one engineer would solve your problem and build the entire thing. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But you don't know. Yeah. And by the way, you don't know code. So um, you have no idea if they put a backdoor in. You have no idea if... Um, there's, if it's riddled with bugs, you have no idea how, how long a feature should really take. You have no idea how things should cost. You don't know anything. You have no idea. Um, so when you're a tech company and you outsource your tech, mm-hmm. that's, that's like being issue. a baker. Yeah. That's like being yeah. a bakery and not baking. Yeah. So if yeah. you're an Amazon seller and you can't source product, what are you? I'm not saying you yeah. should do it the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like the founding, the founding technical, like the technical founder should not be an engineer in the company forever. No, obviously, but you haven't solved the problem yet. You don't have a business. Here's the thing. People go, yeah, I got an LLC and a seller account. I got a business. No, the hell you don't. You have, you have a legal identity and a, a profile. Yeah. You don't have revenue. Go get revenue, understand it enough to hand it over. Cause a lot of sellers not only try to handle or hand off sourcing, they go, just find me products. Great. So you have no idea how to teach and you have no idea how to manage somebody, by the way. Um, and you haven't even looked at the process. You Honestly, I would bet most VAs waste 
25 to 50% of their time because the founder, that's the language I'm going to use here, has not sat yeah. down and said, hey, we're, you know, let's really map this out. Where, where are we well, wasting you, effort? You say something that I like a lot too, I really agree with, is especially when it comes to communication and, and titles, talking about VAs, I hate that. Yeah. And you've said that before, yeah. and I, I, <laughs> I, I hate that as well. It's like, I, I don't have a VA. I have, right. I have a sourcing manager. <laughs> Yes. I have a sourcing analyst. I have, you know, yeah. I have, I have a head, I have a head of operations. I have, you know, I have right. an executive assistant. It's like, that's the title of the function that they're doing. Yeah. Well, so when you're thinking about a, a, a VA, VA means virtual assistant, assistant, you're, you're, if you're in a, a regular company and you're the founder, executive, whatever, and you have an EA, an executive assistant, that's the same concept as a VA. They're just virtual. Okay, your yeah. executive assistant is not necessarily doing a lot of work. They're they're doing they're managing your calendar, your your inbox, literally stuff like that. Um, now you can get a chief of staff. That's different. That person kind of owns operations. That's a whole different ballgame. Yep. That person also makes a lot more money. What's yep. so interesting is because we use the language of VA, um, we don't even say assistant. We just say VA. Throw that away. Now all of a sudden, it's how cheap can I get that person? Yeah. Not realizing, by the way, you could pay an extra $4 an hour and get literally somebody with a master's degree or an MBA in Latin America. Yeah. And by, and think about this too, you're building a team. Your yeah. VAs are not di 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 uh, disposable. If they are, then you're hiring the wrong people and that's a you problem. Yeah. Yep. You don't understand how to recruit, how to hire, how to manage all that stuff. Um, ideally, what you're doing is you're hiring, hiring human beings that are cost effective. Very different. Yeah. I have no problem with people hiring people in the Philippines. That's not the problem. The yeah. problem is the perspective we take on building that team because I got 20 yep. VAs. You don't have 20 assistants. I promise you, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, those 20 people who are probably still with, educated and, and do really families, well. With families, with families, with goals, with like dream, like with aspirations right. of what they want to accomplish in life. Yeah. Like that's and you're, you're calling them a VA when they spend 100 grand a month for you. Yeah, that's not a VA. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I love it. Yeah, and I, I think that's a hot take, but like, I do, yeah. I do hate that communication style, and I think it's like, I, I think anything when you when you work with people that are not in your own country, the communication yeah. towards them is like so derogatory, and yeah. I see it at mass scales. I see it. I work right. in banking. I saw it there. I've I've worked I've worked in SaaS, and I saw it there. So yeah. It's like it's it is at a mass level where it's like you just don't you just devalue the contribution yeah. that someone makes and the importance of the yeah. culture that you're cultivating at your own company, which I think is a, is a huge, yeah. is a huge thing. It's a high level skill set to be able to motivate and manage and hire yeah. and attract talent. Like that's a huge and here's thing. Here's the thing. If you are hiring people that realistically are only doing $4 an hour work and it's like data entry kind of stuff, um, that's not worth a human's time. Human time to me has like a, a very deep value. If you were hiring humans to do throwaway work, why can't software do it? That's where my mind goes. So mm. I was I was thinking about this the other day. Um, staff on demand is this. So there, there's this concept called exponential organizations. Uh, it's okay. a book that that came out. They recently came out with the 2.0 version. Amazing. They basically talk about exponential growth in terms of like there are profile attributes for these types of, types of companies. And one of the the values essentially is staff on demand. You don't have a team. Um, you can scale up your workload and scale it down as you need to. One of the interesting things is that I was playing around with is like mechanical Turk on Amazon, right? You can post a little thing. Somebody does it, comes back. Okay. Let's talk OA sourcing. Do you really need to have 
a human being that you staff where you're paying them X per hour and they're efficient 60%, 40% of the time? Or could you say uh, one task, it goes to Mechanical Turk via an API and it says, uh, basically get all the items on sale and give me X, Y, and Z. Great. The system now takes that, submits another task for another random human being who decides to pick it up. And you say, go, go find the ASINs that are the exact same thing for here. Great, that gets done. Another task gets submitted via the, the software that you know finds a profitability. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can decompose this as much as yeah. you want. Um, and now all of a sudden, you don't need to have 30 VAs or, or 70 yeah. VAs. You really I, just need the right software. To your point, to your point, I don't think, I mean, I, I mean, I w I've been testing BARD, using BARD for, for sourcing. I, I think yeah. you're probably two, three years away from AI doing oh, the sourcing for sure. aspect altogether. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. So I, I think realistically, it will be possible in the next year, year and a half. I think okay. that's going to take hacking to make it feasible because um, yeah. it's an exponential technology. That's the thing yeah. people don't understand is like, I love talking to Amazon sellers about this because we think very linearly because <laughs> the yeah. Amazon world doesn't change that often. But guess what? Technology is coming to the space very, very quickly. Um, yeah. So I, I think realistically seeing what I have been able to build and I, I've been testing like OA sourcing with, with ChatGPT and different ideas there. Um, yep. ChatGPT is one application. Look at yep. LangChain. Look at, I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of well, different things you can do. I mean, the thing is like you can actually now you can, you can reverse uh, like you can, you can search photos v through, yeah. through BART, through Google BART. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that ChatGPT doesn't allow. Other places don't allow. Yeah. You're able to kind of like leverage that, but you're able to, you're able to photo match and find whatever mm -hmm. products, whatever that meet that criteria. It's possible. Yeah. It's probably, it's like right now it's only going to be possible for like major sites, right? Like if yeah. you really want to do it, it's probably not going to be great. Like who really is sourcing from like Walmart uh, really well, you know, like who's really sourcing yeah. from Target really well. But like right. there could be a point where it's going to be, understandable enough to yep. go through these, you know, the seventh page site mm -hmm. where you're going to be like, they're not SEO optimized and they have a crazy sale going and it's not yep. just a bite of cost. It's like something crazy. <laughs> and you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to like really actually get a ton of stuff from it, which is, I think it's going to change the game yep. because it's about who can optimize AI the best rather than right. who, who can, who has the inside knowledge because when you're de dependent on insider knowledge of, of a lead or of some kind of, sale or some kind of company, right? It's like, that's mm -hmm. going to limit you and your ability to grow long-term. I'm, I'm nerding yep. out a little bit. So I want to, I want to, no, I, I, <laughs> I want to deviate a little bit because, because yeah. you're, and uh, the listeners are hearing this and whoever's watching this is seeing it. You're someone who's very organized. You think very structured, right? And you optimize your business and everything that you're like, your first thought is, can this task be done by technology? Can this yeah. task not be done by a person? And can I use some form of technology to optimize my life? Yep. Now you do that with your business and you do that even more with your actual life. Tell me about it. Tell me about what you do in your life to actually optimize things even more. Honestly, it really comes down to me being lazy. Um, like I, I, I make the joke that I'm effectively lazy because I am. Ambitious. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to work. I actually work a lot of like I work yeah. long hours. Like, you know, I'm a workaholic like everybody else. But the point is, I loathe repetitive, rep repetitive things. We're like, so like I have ADHD, like if it's the same thing, I'm like, I'm going to freak out. So yeah. the moment something is repetitive, 
um, I'm going to find a solution to make it not repetitive for me, even if it still needs to happen. That's the only reason why I liked um, kind of learning how to code on my own. Um, because I was like, this one thing's just killing me. I, I just, I'm just going to figure out how to write the code to do yeah. it for me. So yeah. it really stems from that. Um, and it's also just, yeah, there, there's this Alfred Whitehead quote, um, civilization advances at the rate it moves operations to the background. He was a mathematician. And what he was talking about is, listen, we can't, we can't advance in mathematics if we are constantly having to solve easier things the hard way. So if we can automate some of the stuff, we can keep advancing. I kind of took that concept as, well, a person can only advance a civilization, right? Like a country, a company can only advance at the rate it can move things to the background and moving things to the background to me is automation, right? Things yep. are happening in the background that you're not aware of. I honestly probably have four to five automations that I have completely forgot about because they're just, I just rely on them now and it's daily part of life. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of doing that. That's why I like finding tools, um, even to the degree, like I use Superhuman for email. They recently came out with an AI. So now I hit Command J and just be like, actually, funny enough, now I, I, I'm trying not to write emails. So I hit Command J and then double tap Control on my keyboard to uh, to enable dictation on my Mac. And I just say, hey, tell, um, tell them to do X, Y, and Z. And it will actually take that, turn it into a whole thing written in the way I would typically write emails. And then I oh, send my it. goodness, brother. You know what I mean? Like, listen, I, I do Todoist. I use Todoist for my task manager a lot. Yeah. Of, so, again, you, I have you me on to it. Yeah, you it's great. It. I like it. So, but what's nice about that is, like, I, they now have an AI feature where you can say, hey, like, you know, suggest tasks to complete this or like subtasks that's helpful for somebody who has adhd the activation energy is really difficult so like for me to start on, on working on something is actually really tough mm -hmm. but if i can mm -hmm. make it simpler i can get started and so i use chat gpt for that too i have a little prompt where i say hey here's my task help me you know, make this easier for me to get started it's like great right, here's you know yeah it's send this email but really there's five subtasks within that and now all of a sudden that email that would have taken me three hours to just begin doing, I got it done in less than five minutes. Yeah. Um, so tell me what is, what's a primary task that you actually do? Like what's so like, if so much of your life is automated, like, like, yeah. and now everyone that receives an email from you knows, knows it's, it's, yeah. it's AI, but it's like <laughs> AI catered by you, which is, I think yeah. super impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what, what part of like, I think the cool part about you is two things. One is that you're using it to optimize you're not using it to replace yeah. because you're saying, okay, this is lower value task. I don't want to do that. That doesn't, most people who again are lazy, right? Cause you're using lazy and you're saying effectively lazy. You're not lazy, but like <laughs> lazy people would do that and they'd be like, yeah. all right, I'm going to go drink tequila over at this bar over here. Yeah. You were saying, I want to focus on the things that I, that give me energy that are worthy of my time. And mm -hmm. that's your, that's your like mental equation that's happening is like the task I'm doing right now, is it worthy of my energy? Is it worthy of my time? Which mm -hmm. I wish everyone thought that way. That's yeah. so powerful to think about is like, is like your time is, time is so valuable. That's the most yeah. valuable asset. Right. So here's, here's the way I think about it is like, I guess to a degree it is kind of an optimization. It's so I, I think my primary task is to define an end goal that should be achieved break that down into projects, break those projects down into tasks. Um, and throughout every area of that, that process, I want to augment myself or automate. Um, it is not 
there are things that need to get done. I, I need to reply to the email, but do I need to write it perfectly this time if I don't have to when I can send three things instead of the whole paragraph? No, that just makes it a little bit better. So I'm still dictating the direction, the goals that need to happen. But what's nice is it frees me up to have the time to really look at data to make important decisions, right? Like, mm -hmm. what are the trends? What's happening here? And honestly, I think about this a lot. Like, where where's the future of, of knowledge work, which is really what a lot of us do, right? Um, so I think we will get to a point where you have enough intelligent systems to say, hey, like, my cells seem down. Can you go through that and tell me what's happening. And it, and it comes back with some analysis. Now you, but you're still, you're the person that's triggering that action to happen. Now you're saying, okay, based on that, um, generate three ways we can solve that based on all this data, which you as a human just, it would take you days, weeks to go through yeah. that. Um, and it goes, okay, you know, based on that, here's what we should probably do. Okay. You know what? Uh, one doesn't really make sense, but two actually does make sense. Let's go ahead and move forward with that. So I think you become more of the orchestrator, the more, more of the, the, the director of what's happening, but I don't think you need to be the one that's doing all the things. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that's super important. And honestly, I think a lot of people go to humans for that solution, right? We're fast to say, just out, outsource it. You know, a good, good example here, right? Um, it's not the best example, but okay, you know, you should never mow your lawn because you can pay somebody 20 bucks and they can do it once a week. I agree. Humans are failable, right? They, they have problems, they call them sick, it rains, but you can go get a Husqvarna for I think like two grand and it's a robot lawn mower and you can just never think about it again. Now you don't have to worry about, did I pay them? Are they coming? You know, they yeah. park the truck over here. No, you just, you, you now just, um, abstracted that whole concept away. That's kind of interesting. Um, so mm. I think there's like the, there's the recurring side of things that just have to happen consistently. So if I need to check metrics as a good example, um, so like we, we do paid acquisition, we use like Google ads, stuff like that. Instead of me logging in, pulling all the data, I just get a Slack message at 8 a.m. every single morning with the previous day's um, information and the trends. Right, so it's like, That's it's a little so cool. thing. Well, so, so wait, so, Here's a good question. So for someone, uh, let's talk, let's, let's remove it from Amazon sellers and let's just go to, yep. let's just go to founders in general. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's more important to, do you think it's the, uh, a first hire should be someone that's an expert at Zapier integrations? Is that like a, is that a better priority to hire that first? No, because there's not, there's not going to be enough work for that person to be, to, to be, and we're, listen, we're, we, we use Zapier a lot. Actually, I, I was literally in it today. I made two automations today. Um, it. it takes so little time to do that yeah. stuff that is just not worth like the, the time it would but take you someone, to someone to like a, hire an expert, an expert to that can just like assess. This is what your functions are. These are your SOPs. This is your day to day. Uh -huh. And you don't have the framework, right? Like you're someone that thinks this way. A lot of people don't think this way. Sure. A lot of people don't think in this, in the sense of yeah. like, I can automate this and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, and I'm aware of this tool that can do it. Uh, yeah. I, is there a place for that kind of expert, that consultant level? To, to speak into your to your yeah business that's that's an ops person right um your your first ops hire should be more generalist in my opinion they should be able to survey everything and say hey i'm gonna make this better i'm gonna automate this i'm gonna free up that blah 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 but again when we start to use the language of like people don't think that way i i you should and i'm not saying like you yeah. should just innately do this you go learn that i yep. do listen like if you had met me five years ago very different human being like 10 years yep. ago, pff, unrecognizable. Um, 
what's important though is understanding your responsibility as a founder again is to learn is to build these skills this is why i love again using that founder language versus business owner uh, language because business owner goes just hire somebody to do that that's too simplistic like are you not growing as a human being because that sounds kind of boring to me now listen there are things that like i'm not going to go become a software engineer to code that's unreasonable um yeah i did learn google ads when we first kicked it off and i spent the first hundred grand myself and guess what? It made yeah. it easier when we did hire somebody in-house to come in and do that because I could – and, dude, we had somebody who came in who was an amazing interviewer, awesome guy. But I knew a lot about Google Ads because I was in there. And I said, hey, how yeah. would you handle this this problem? Or like, you know, uh, SCAGs is, is a term, so single keyword ad group. I was like, what do you think about SCAGs right now? Didn't even know what it was. I was like, dude, I've been doing this for like six months and I know what that is, right? Like, so I learned enough and I think yeah. that's important. It is your job to learn that stuff. It is your job to know PPC. If you're using it, you should you should yeah. know enough about something to be able to call BS. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that is your responsibility. That's a good thought. That's so contradictory to stuff that because like I, I believe that I believe that I also I'm also thinking just like about like I'm a huge proponent of opportunity vehicles. I think the skill set like in my mind, I think if you're great at marketing and you're great at sales you're probably going to make more yep. money than anybody else. 1,000%. You're probably going to like, you're better than anyone in any technical yes. level because you can think bigger and you can convince and mm-hmm. that's just a higher, like, and if you can combine that with great management skills, you're sure. probably even more so going to be positioned to be a good CEO. But if it's the early days of your business and it's just you, yeah, you have to do it all. That's not a good enough excuse not to do it. Eventually, yeah, 1,000%. Listen, if you raise money, go hire those people. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But when you're bootstrapped, you don't have that yeah. luxury. Okay, well, then I'm going to ask you that big question then because we're talking – I, I want to give you – like you're talking about this reverse engineering. What What's going to get you guys to 50 million ARR? Um, 50 would be a – larger pivot we would have to go into private label price optimization yeah. um yeah. that would be a requirement mainly because the arpu there is dramatically higher so brands are you'd willing to, to pay five thousand dollars ten thousand a month and Enter- enterprise really yeah. you'd have to go mm-hmm. enterprise yeah yep. yeah so that would require most likely bringing on a few salespeople. that would require definitely growing the engineering team um yeah. support so csms would have to change you would have a, probably a few more like um account managers so ams so we'd have some new roles yep. in there um yeah. i could tell you the exact way we would roll that out um like i would immediately start reaching out to my contacts uh, would you be like ah, i want to do this or are you like man you know what i'd rather just have a really really optimal you know eight to ten million a year business yeah um there's no right answer that's the hard part right so it's I like low touch. I personally don't like enterprise. I don't like sales. Um, yeah. It's not the type of company I would love to build. However, yeah. if I felt so compelled that like, like if me and James were like, hey, that, that's what we need to do to pull off what we innately want to do, we're going to do it. You know, yeah. but he, And this goes back to my point I was just making. I'm going to go learn sales. I'm going to yeah. go learn how to manage the sales team. Eventually, yes, I'm going to bring on a VP of sales to grow that out, blah, blah, blah. But that yeah. comes later. I think people over hire too soon. And you see this in SaaS a lot and it's talked about a lot um, where it's like, well, the first hire, we're going to VP of sales. Okay. But if the VP of sales is really good at managing and hiring people and not really good at sales, 
Like that's a problem. What you really need is an incredible salesperson. Yeah. Well, like I, that's why that's why I try to hire for outcomes rather than a role. First off, because I, sure. I like to say like, okay, like, okay, your first job, your first task is usually I'm training you, you're seeing me, what I'm doing, and then your job is to do it, to optimize it, and then to create the SOP so that we can have that yep. forever, to optimize yep. that even more so. Like, that's usually like, especially for the media company side, that's usually how it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. But my, I see people and it's like, usually you want to snipe the person that does it best. Like I, like I love, I pay for so much coaching, right? Because I'm like, yeah, I want to know who's the best at this and I want to learn from them so that I can know exactly what to look for. And that's more like, I less so think of like, I want to learn how to do this because I'm a bottleneck. Like at the end of the day, like I just, I'm the biggest bottleneck in my business. I firmly believe that everyone else, like that's, we are like, we are, if it comes down to us, I'm limited by my time. I'm limited yep. by my energy. I'm limited by my mentality of, of what I understand. Yep. And so I just want more help. So speak to me on that because I like you're, you're challenging something in me where it's like mm-hmm. me. I think I'm like everything I want to achieve. The solution is people. Yeah. If I find the right people and they help me scale the right way, I can do it. You're right. That's the right. Okay. So here's the thing. It, it kind of goes back to the whole bootstrap versus funding. It depends. Yeah. And yeah. I think both are correct. But it depends on what you want to build, and it depends on the situation, right? So, yeah. again, going back to the, the sourcing first VA hire, if somebody's six months into this and they've purchased 100 units and they don't, they don't know what the heck they're doing, they don't even know how to analyze and, and place orders correctly, no, a person is not going to help them because that le- leverage yeah. is a multiplier. If you multiply something by zero, it's still zero. Yeah. All you did was waste time, and you wasted more money in terms of paying that person. So actually, that was a terrible decision. However, if you're six months deep and you're consistently able to source and you know that you can, within two days, onboard somebody, train them, have them off and running, now you freed up your time, what's the next thing? Yes, now that leverage of a person makes total sense. Um, But leverage also comes with with, um, its own unique challenges, okay? Let's talk about tiers of leverage. Humans, so labor is the worst form of leverage. Because it's hard to scale and it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of problems with it, right? People get sick, people quit, people get pissed, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, capital, that's a good form of leverage, but it's not the best. Really, like tech is the best form of leverage, right? It's it's infinitely scalable, repeatable, blah, blah, blah. But we don't always yeah. have that option. I get it, right? Some jobs just require a human. But, okay, are you going to manage the same way if you have one VA versus 25? No. That's, it requires a different skill set to succeed over a long period yep. of time. People can fake it for six months. You can fake a lot of crap for six, 12 months. Don't get me wrong. But like for, for multiple years, you're going to yeah. have to actually learn how to recruit, how to manage people, how to hire. Um, it's also understanding what is your actual responsibility at any one given point in time of your business. In the early days, it was not recruiting for me. But lately... Mm. When we started to build a team, my main focus needs to be recruiting and strategy and stuff like that. In the early days, it's not. My biggest value add as the founder in the early days, customer support. Yeah. So it yeah. depends. It depends on where you're at. Here's the thing. You have a lot of people that are getting advice from people doing millions of dollars in revenue who have 10 you know, VAs, who have a team that are like, hey, this is how you do it. Yes, at that level. <laughs> But yeah. ask them what they were doing year one. Yeah. Different. 
And that's okay. I'm not saying don't learn from those people because you should. But listen, there are SaaS businesses doing 500 million a year in revenue. If I try to replicate and act as if they did, if the, if one of their founders was like, "Hey, man, here's what you need to be doing," it's there's too big of a gap, man. Like our yeah. our resources are different. He can be like, "Hey, no, we just hired five people in HR to do recruiting full time. Just go do that." No, I got two yeah. slots to fill, and they're both going to be engineers. <laughs> that means yeah. I have to do the job, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying I that love it. outsourcing to people is bad. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, people is one of my favorite types of leverage because it's not just giving them work. People is networking too, by the way. I yeah. have gotten really intentional um, after reading Never Eat Alone about building my network. Who can I email? Yeah. I literally, we, you know, we were like, hey, we, we should hire another engineer. I was like, great. I sent eight emails to people I know in Boston and tech. And I was like, hey, here's the JD. Here's what I'm looking for. Um, let me know how I can return the paper. Yeah, and some somebody was like, "Hey, would love an intro to a VC." I was like, "Done, got you." Super, superhuman, got you. Superhuman, <laughs> superhuman to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know so what great. I mean? So oh, yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot with people. This is a hot take. Also, you have people working in an office. Yeah, You're in an office building culture. Yeah, what that's there's not many startups that are able to do that right now because half of the half of the desire to go to a startup. Right. Yeah. A bootstrap company. It's not a startup. It's if you've been existing for a couple of years, it's, yeah. it's a startup for sure. But like, in my yeah. mind, like as long as you're like past a year, you're fine. So we're we're a profitable a, company of like seven years. You're old. profitable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, in my mind, you've been doing it for a period of time. Uh-huh. How do you attract talent when eighty four percent of the workforce, in general, are either looking uh-huh. for fully remote or or doing some kind of hybrid situation? How do you attract the top tier talent? Listen, we, we, we talked about that literally today because it's a conversation we're having. Um, yeah. I just quit my job for that, just so you know. Like, that's like, I yeah, just like, no, I totally. quit my job a couple months ago. That was, that was, mm-hmm. That's the reason why. Listen, some people love it. Like, we're a small team, right? So, like, our culture is very different than, than a lot of things. Um, but again, to, to that point, it depends. I think it makes a lot of sense when you're heavy on building product and there's not a lot of process there. Because it is yeah. easier to be in person, to be honest. Like, again, every decision you make, you will give something up and you will take something. The thing we yeah. give up is we have a smaller hiring pool. The thing we, we do get, though, is we get to, you know, just lean over and be like, hey, help me solve this now. Um, and we yeah. got like three whiteboards and all the things, right? And so yeah. there is some upside to that. Um, but I will say it is harder being in a tech hub when you have yeah. people raising billions of dollars and they're like, I'll pay you 450 to come yeah. work, you know, at Twitter and they're yeah. fresh out of college and you're like, Hey, uh, we're not Twitter, uh, but come work yeah. for this. And we're not, we can't, we're not going to pay you 450. You know what I mean? So yeah, yes, it is. It is more difficult. Um, but again, this is where I think how this is a, a core thing for us. Um, we're very tech led, so we don't want a huge team. I want an effectively sized team, Man, right? So again, so cool. You know, repricing tools that were, well, right, but repricing tools that are a quarter of our size have literally 4x the amount of support people. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like, and it's not like we're doing it wrong. Like, I can show you the data, you know? Um, So I think that's what's important. And this is why I like this whole augmentation thing. Everybody on the team, I'm like, dude, use ChatGPT, use these things. Like, your job is to make your job easier. I don't want you to be sweating, working your face off. I want you to make it look like it's a joke. Like mm. automate half your job. We'll find more stuff to do. There's plenty to get done. 
Yeah. Um, now there's a, yeah. there, there's a, there's a ratio there that matters. You can take that too far on either which way, right? You can be over overly staffed. You can be a little too understaffed. I think at times we're a little too understaffed, yeah. <laughs> especially on engineering. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. something we're working on fixing now. Right. So that's the hard part. It's finding that balance. Yeah. I have a, I have a lot of, uh, there's gonna be a lot of people that are just developers. A, a lot of my friend group are developers and just mm -hmm. over the past like five years of working. So if you're listening and you want to move to Boston and you want to be a part of something really cool, Dylan yeah. hiring. So, so yeah, on. yeah, we're hiring a lead engineer <laughs> right now. So I love yeah. it. I love it. That's so cool. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to take so much of your time because I, I appreciate you. Cause I, I feel like I could talk to you for like hours about this. I just have like your insights are so the way you got you're doing things is so unique, and your 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 process as a, as just as a person, it's not <laughs> it's it's cool, and it's like it challenges yeah. me because it's like I'm someone that's that that thinks pretty big, and tries to optimize quite a bit, and you still like push the lever on like Grant, you're not you're 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 still thinking too small in some of these things, and I I love that because uh it's you're gonna be it's, it's you're almost like it's like I almost put you in this like sweaty founder sweaty entrepreneur <laughs> like you're you're kind of like you're navigating these things in a really unique way yeah. which I think is why you guys have been successful and what, what's going to make you successful so um I want to I want to wrap this up this has been hugely valuable for my community thank you so much for being here yeah of um can I tell I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna promote it for you for anybody that is I I, I seriously think especially with what I've seen and what what you guys are doing with 1.0 mm -hmm. I think if you are not using Aura, if you're a new seller especially, I think it should be an instant an instant decision for you. Sooner, like probably the second thing you do, you should probably get some level of sourcing tech. You got I mean, obviously you got you have Keepa and you have SellerAmp, and then in my mind, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the next the next the next thing you should get is is Aura. I think I think that's the most important thing for you to use in order for you to effectively scale your business. So um, go to goaura.com, get on the wait list. 1.0 is coming out hopefully this next month. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, next week I will be adding more people to the beta. So we're we're starting okay. to ramp that up pretty heavily. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. So and so people, please get on that wait list because not I just I'm very confident in the tool, and I think what's cool about you guys is that you make yourself accessible as founders, and yeah. hopefully the people that listen to this, if you're an Amazon seller, it's like please hear the validation of the heart behind this and the importance behind this and and that the value systems are there, that it's not this faceless company. It's this, it's this company that's really trying to do something unique and assist you in a unique way. Um, so from a customer support perspective and onward, in just terms of educating you on the importance of repricing and the ways to do it more effectively. Um, I've only heard positive things of people that have used your platform and uh, my experience with your tool has been wonderful. So um, awesome. use it, get in there, Dylan, anywhere else that people can point you to. I'm still going to yell at you because you're not verified on, on Twitter. I'm still gonna yell at you for that. I need you to do it just because I, I, just, I know, you, you gotta I know. do it. I gotta get I'm a back brain to guy. I know. I'm a brain I, uh, guy and you gotta man. Do I, I I just moved the personal blog um, from Squarespace to Framer because Squarespace was just a pain in the butt. It was not yeah. enjoyable to write on. So hopefully, yeah. I will start writing more. So DylanCarter.com is like my personal site. Um, cool. You can see the other company there, some of my writings. Um, I don't have a ton right now, but I'm starting to kind of ramp up more on writing about just different things around sellers, um, you know, business, how to recruit, stuff like that, some AI stuff that I'm kind of thinking about right now. Um, yeah. I do post on Twitter. That's probably where I'm the most active. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So find them on Twitter. And then I also just need you to, you, you guys should be going crazy on LinkedIn marketing. You guys should. I think you guys would be super let's, let's with, <laughs> Yeah, you guys should definitely do it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dylan. Appreciate you. We're out. Cool.